Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Rush Limbaugh shared his comedy for years. Now you'll hear it here. It's the Rob Carson Show. Hour number two of the Rob Carson Show. Joining us at the bottom of the hour will be Doug Collins, former congressman from Georgia. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Uh, and also ranking minority leader, House Judiciary Committee, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he's got a lot of great insights on what's happening in Congress with uh, Kevin McCarthy, now the official um, Speaker of the House. Speaker of the House. Uh, some good stuff happening there, and I'll explain in a moment. Um, it looks like uh, Joe Biden, he, it's funny, we've gone from this, uh, you know, you leave office. I think, wasn't it Wasn't it uh, Eisenhower who left? Or no, Truman. I think Truman, when he left office, he was dead broke, not a ding diamond. I believe if I'm not mistaken, when Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton left office, she said they were dead broke, not a dang dime. And then they became multi, 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 multi millionaires. It's kind of weird. <laughs> it's kind of weird. And, and now, and now the, the thing that, uh, that people, when they, they leave Washington, D.C., they create these foundations that don't do anything or provide anything for anyone. All right, go ahead. Somebody give me a Clinton Global Initiative list of things that they did to change the world before they folded after Hillary Clinton lost the election in 2016. And I think restarted. I think it's restarted. But they were getting like a couple hundred million dollars a year, and then, then she uh, lost the election. It dropped to almost nothing. Then they just folded it. So I guess maybe that work that they were doing wasn't so important. And then we find out that uh, uh, Joe Biden's, uh, uh, it's called the Penn Biden Center. It's an empty office. It's, uh, it's like one of those old-timey uh, Western sets. You know, have you ever been to a, one of those Western sets? You go on there, you think it's an old, uh, an old uh, town, but it really isn't. It's just the facade of the buildings uh, standing there to create the set. That's kind of what the Penn Biden Center is. <laughs> but the Penn Biden Center got a 400% increase in uh, donations from China, from China of all places. And everything in China is run by the Communist Party. So, you know, it's not like some, uh, you know, autonomous uh, business owner in China gave, uh, you know, millions of dollars to Joe. It was their, it was the Chinese Communist Party. It's, uh, that's just the way it is. Duh. Uh, duh, uh, duh. So, uh, but Joe Biden says that he had no idea about the classified documents <clears throat> that they found at the Penn Biden Center in Washington, D.C. from when he was the vice president. Now, uh, Donald Trump was a president when there were some classified documents that were packed up and sent to Mar-a-Lago. The Justice Department went there, visited Mar-a-Lago, asked the president about them. The president said, hey, man, they're right here, whatever you need. They said, hey, no problem, Mr. President. Go ahead and keep them under lock and key. We know you have the Secret Service here and all that. Not a big deal. And then they decided to go back and get uh, a fake warrant to raid Mar-a-Lago in an unprecedented fashion for political purposes. That's what happened. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Left wing. But here is Joe Biden saying, well, gosh darn it, I don't know how those classified documents got there and sat there for years unsecured. And first, people know I take classified uh, documents and classified information seriously. When my lawyers were clearing out my office... Or did he mean it that way? I take classified documents seriously at the University of Pennsylvania. They set up an office for me, secure office in the Capitol, when I 
the four years after being vice president, I was a professor at Penn. He was a professor at Penn. No, he wasn't. Uh, they found some documents in a box, you know, a locked cabinet, or at least a closet. And as soon as they did, they realized there were several <laughs> classified documents in that box. As soon as we recognized that those were classified, we did something about it uh, after the election. And they did what they should have done. They immediately called the archives, immediately called the archives, turned them over to the archives. Well, you know, I, think, Joe, I think Donald Trump did the same thing. The, the, uh, they invited the DOJ to come down and check them out, the whole deal. But somehow it's a real problem that should get, uh, you know, Donald Trump the electric chair. And uh, Joe Biden is really not a big deal. It's kind of funny. This is a report um, from 2018 when Joe Biden said that he had no access to classified documents whatsoever. And oddly enough, he did this interview at the Penn Biden Center. In 2018, Joe Biden addressed his access to classified information in an interview with me. This was in the context of Russia's interference in U.S. elections, and it was in that... Which didn't happen, by the way. Not one little bit in 2016, but Hillary Clinton paid for a dossier, worked with the FBI to create a controversy, to create a scandal that never existed. Office, the Penn-Biden Center. I don't have access to classified information anymore. I don't get briefed every morning by the agency, as I did for eight years. Okay, there you go. No, I, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever, sure. This is uh, Mike Mamoli uh, on CNN talking about uh, why Joe Biden didn't disclose the fact that he had uh, classified documents before the election. Well, clearly there's going to be the midterm. some political concern here. The president gearing up for a potential launch of his re-election campaign, and now you have hanging over them uh, this legal cloud. But it was interesting and I think important to note that White House advisors at the highest levels would have known that this issue was ongoing for at least two months. Weird! Given the timeline we were given from the White House yesterday, and so I think one of the questions is about why they've waited for this story to sort of break in the news on its own uh, versus being fully transparent, disclosing this as soon as it happened two months ago. Well, kind of the same thing that happened with Hunter Biden's laptop, but this time they had the, or that time they had the FBI actually working with the Bidens. Uh, the FBI, the former chief counsel of the FBI was working at Twitter. He's the guy who came up with the uh, the Russia collusion hoax? Then he left after uh, he you know the election was lost to Donald Trump in 2016, and he was hired in 2018 by Twitter. He got Hunter Biden's laptop literally in 2019. The FBI did, and this guy who went from the FBI to Twitter literally was the guy who uh, was the lead as far as censoring the Hunter Biden laptop before the 2020 election. Yeah, so this is kind of common. Place hide scandals before elections, unless you're their political enemy. All the crooked Bidens beer, have beer, always beer. been a close family. Mm, real close. When they make a dirty deal, the big guy gets a nice face. This is Jim Gossett. Joe must get his cut. Yeah, that's their one condition. Ten percent. Raking in dough Hunter and Joe is a family tradition. Folks ask him, why do you drink? And why do you do coke? Smoke crack. If your name weren't Biden, you would be flat broke. And a joke. Your Uncle James, he's a crook too. He's always under suspicion. Crime we know 
to Hunter and Joe. It's a family tradition. Yep, yep. The new house came in. They must end this family tradition. Hopefully they will. Uh, here is uh, what Joy Behar um, yesterday on the Harpies from Hell show. I mean, gosh, I always screw that up. They sound so much uh, very similar. The View or Harpies from Hell. It's real similar. It's right there. It's like, The View, Harpies from Hell. It is. It just kind of happens. Here's Joy Behar uh, with uh, the, the ultimate double standard. And, and honestly, uh, just a really stupid, stupid, ignorant argument for Joe Biden. And, and it's self-explanatory, but I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and play it. Really, but, I, mean, I, I think that no, what you just said is yeah, right, that, yeah. that there are differences in what happened. Yes, but you know, the are not good. Well, we all know that Trump is a liar and a thief, you know. Okay, um, what did he steal and what did he lie about? to say that he obstructed and he lied. We don't think that Biden is a liar. See, it's called a double standard. And a thief, so we give him the benefit of the doubt. Oh, of course, he's a Democrat. You give him the benefit of the doubt is what it is all about. It's probably what's going on. But what I think also is going well, on... This is just, this is just... I would be embarrassed if I brought this to the table as an argument. No facts whatsoever, just bumper stickers. This is what the left does. No matter what the truth of it is, Whoopi, they will spin it, Bubblehead and Marjorie Taylor and that crowd, Matt Gates. You think they're not going to spin Who's Bubblehead? I mean, you're the Bubblehead. And this, that is just as bad as Trump. And so the, the lie gets out there. People believe it, just like that Donaldson person, whatever his name is. Byron. What's his name? Byron, Byron Donalds. Wow, she's really well informed. I saw him also. He was at the uh, the fight on the floor, too, yeah. wasn't he? He was nominated for speaker a number of yes. By two people. Yeah. He's the new darling. Oh, dear God. Oh, please. I'm getting a headache here. <sighs> Regroup. It's just when you hear her talk, you lose IQ points. Uh, yeah. Top oversight uh, Republicans are opening investigation into Biden's handling of the classified documents. Representative James Comer also launches a probe into the political bias of the National Archives for failing to disclose the president's top secret records possession of the GOP. So there you go. There is some of that. And hopefully they'll do something about it. Because honestly, it's just, uh, at this point, it's just... It's so painfully obvious. It's so painfully obvious how corrupt everything is. Uh, and, and I just, I really hope that this is the year that uh, we just finally expose all of this crap. And it looks like we are. Uh, Jim Jordan uh, commented yesterday on the uh, floor of the House. We'll have some of that audio in a moment. But uh, honestly, we, we've been played for too long. Things have become so ungodly corrupt that not only do we have a bourgeois and a proletariat, but we have a, literally have a Bastille in Washington, D.C. And we are faced with the prospect that our uh, electoral system is completely rigged. There is uh, some of that going on too so hopefully we can uh, turn this uh, hand basket around before it descends completely into hell let's go to alex in baltimore hello there uh, alex what's going on bud oh i'm just um i'm just talking about the double standard as you just mentioned last uh, or today on nbc they go um point by point listing why there's a great difference between the trump papers and the biden papers <laughs> yeah. but but what they fail to mention, and nobody seems to mention, is that there, the, another major difference between the two is that Bidens were held in the Penn building 
which was sponsored by $106 billion from the Chinese, and Trump had him in his own personal residence. And the Chinese would have full access to our top secrets in a locked closet in the building that they owned. They owned. Yeah, yeah, and then there's the whole uh, Hunter Biden uh, being in charge of a $1.5 billion hedge fund for a Chinese energy corporation uh, after visiting China with his old man and departing without Secret Service protection. Other than that, Alex, there's, they're a great family, and, uh, and they, you know, uh, they're not crooked at all, but they who really like are. To, uh, who I like to listen to the most is Dershowitz, and on a, uh, two days ago, he was on um, Greta Van Susteren, and he said that... This Hunter Biden, or not Hunter Biden, but this Biden issue with the papers is basically Trump's get out of jail card free because they're identical, in his opinion. Now, this is a legal well, style. And that, We're, and not We're not talking about the view. Oh, I love I love uh, uh, Alan Dershowitz. I need to get him back on the show again. He's uh, he's a listener actually. He watches my TV show, and uh, but I do need to uh, do need to have him back on. Um, and and yeah, it is a, a, essentially a get. Well, this is the only reason the the uh, the NBC and the other uh, networks are fighting and uh, fighting for Biden is because they still hope and pray that they can get something out of Trump, whether it be him not being able to run or uh, possible uh, trial and sentencing, which isn't going to happen. But uh, you know what? Their little house of cards is coming down. That's a very good point because don't forget the Dems could be behind releasing of these papers five years after they've been hidden in the closet because they don't want Biden to run and they would like to get Harris primary because there's no way she could get through a primary. She barely got through three three debates. So don't be surprised. That's actually what Greg Kelly. That's exactly what. That's exactly what Greg Kelly alluded to a little while ago. Greg Kelly from Newsmax, who has a new book, and I oh, said right. that this. And I said yesterday that I thought this was a part of uh, a master plan, which is going to save Joe Biden's legacy, so he's not labeled the worst president in the world or in the in the history of the country, while uh, showing him the door in 2024. And- I got to run, Alex. Thanks for the phone call, bro. Let's take a break. It's the Rob Carson Show. The left has been trying to get you to hate America for 50 years. And we're fighting it, and we're fighting it hard. Guess what? It ain't working. It's the Rob Carson Show. Our very first bill, we refilled 87,000 IRS. We promised to do that. We promised to do it. We, we made it in our, in our commitment to America, which you've talked a lot about. Now, that is uh, Kevin McCarthy last night on the Sean Hannity Show. He was in Congress. Uh, yesterday, and uh, Hannity, of course, and, and I have no uh, problem with Sean Hannity. Uh, it's just he kind of uh, didn't uh, appreciate the whole, I don't know, actually demanding that Kevin McCarthy do what people uh, ask him to do and uh, and the bidding of the people and not, uh, you know, just get rubber stamped. But uh, he did uh, come through last night. I thought it was a pretty interesting uh, interview, what I did see of uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, last night. But I think that I think it's very true that uh, they got the, they got the, he got the message. He got the message, and you know what? He was able to get that done, uh, that 87,000 IRS defunding thingy. Uh, he was able to get it done with one hand tied behind his back, and, and that's what we've done. And, and you should be happy about it. You should be quite happy that we have tied one hand behind Kevin McCarthy's back. And uh, and as uh, as uh, people begin to think about it and how good it is, uh, they're realizing that last week was awesome and it should be that way every time there is a new House Speaker, a debate over a new House Speaker, and it should happen in both parties. There you go. 
He has dismissed the drama around his election uh, as entertaining, and he is vowing to uh, investigate out-of-control government, including the FBI, DOJ, Fauci, COVID, China, Afghanistan withdrawal, all of the things that we said, huh, there's something really corrupt going on here. And, uh, and we were right. This is Jim Jordan yesterday echoing something that I've been saying about what the, has happened, what the malfeasance that has happened to us that has intensified the worst than we could ever imagine as far as censorship of free speech, controlling of our lives that happened literally in the last three years. The five rights we enjoy as Americans under the First Amendment, your right to practice your faith, your right to assemble, right to petition the government, freedom of press, freedom of speech, every single one's been attacked in the last two years. There were, their government was telling people they couldn't go to church just a few years ago. Your right to assemble, your right to petition the government. The Democrats kept the Capitol closed. You couldn't, as a citizen, couldn't come to your... Remember that when they told you you couldn't go to church? And we just went along with it, didn't we? Oh, they got away with so much. They got away with so much. And they got to pay for it now. Capital that you pay for to address your member of Congress to redress your grievances because Nancy Pelosi wouldn't let you in. Freedom of the press, I just told you what the head of the Intel Committee tried to do to a journalist. The most important right we have, though, is your right to talk. Because if you can't talk, you can't practice your faith. You wow. can't share your faith. You yep. can't petition your government. Yep. You, the right to speak is the most important, and that's what they're going after. Yep. And that's why we've had <laughs> dozens of whistleblowers come talk to us. We want to focus on that because we want it all to stop. Yep, and I told you the First Amendment was the first to codify in the history of mankind the ability to assemble, to, re to worship, to speak. And it made us into the greatest engine of individual and economic freedom in the history of mankind. This is uh, Matt Gates yesterday on Charlie Kirk's show saying that uh, what many of us want and one of the priorities that we have is to see that 14,000 hours of videotape in the Capitol surrounding January the 6th. Yeah, Kevin McCarthy told us he's going to get the evidence out in front of the American people. And that means releasing the 14,000 hours of tapes that have been hidden that I think would give more full context to that day rather than the cherry-picked moments that the January 6th committee tried to use. Yeah, I want to see all the destruction. I think that a couple days afterwards, the media was saying there's $100 million worth of damage to the Capitol, even though it opened two hours later. So, yeah, you're being played. ...used to inflame and further divide our country. So, yes, I do believe that part of this deal is a concession that we are going to get the truth out in front of the American people. And you know what? Kevin McCarthy could have in his victory speech just said, well, the government is weaponized, but he was very specific in his language. He talked about the weaponization of the FBI specifically. His willingness to do that with particularity, I think, shows that he's ready to lower his shoulder and to get into this fight that so many Americans expect. So nice to see somebody lower their shoulder and not their uh, standards. Just to be in on behalf of the civil rights that we hold dear. Yeah, and have we've had abused for the last couple of years. Uh, by the way, coming up, uh, an interesting interview and a lawsuit uh, against the legacy media by Robert Kennedy Jr. I've got audio from him. He was banned. I mean, uh, I literally lost my, I lost my YouTube channel for months because I posted a Robert Kennedy Jr. video on vaccine injuries. I mean, it's, just, it's nuts. It's nuts. Uh, by the way, the House Republicans uh, are going to vote on abolishing the IRS after replacing a national income tax with a consumption tax. All right, so th this, it's not going to happen. It's wishful thinking. I would hope that the Republicans aren't just posing here, but it kind of uh, feels like they are. 
uh, you know, checking in on stuff. I wouldn't go that, that that way, Republicans. You better get some stuff done. Let's take a break. Coming up, Doug Collins. It's the Rob Carson Show. There's only one Rob Carson on the radio. Oh, thank God. It's the Rob Carson Show. Joining us on the phone, uh, one of the favorites of uh, guests that I enjoy to have on the show is Doug Collins, a former congressman from Georgia, ranking minority member of the House Judiciary Committee. We'll get to that in a second. Also hosting uh, the Doug Collins podcast. He joins us on the uh, on the phone. I'll just start with the uh, the championship game this weekend. I mean, that was almost your dogs. Uh, I, I would almost call that a mauling, not just a defeat. <laughs> uh, it, it was. I mean, that game was set up in the first, you know, the first interview that they that right before the game, the the. Uh, Molly asked uh, Kirby Smart, "What is what does he expect from this game?" He said, "Aggression." Wow. And he said, "We're, we're going out to hunt," and that's wow. all he said. And it was yeah. like, "Okay." Yeah. <laughs> and then they went out and did it. They just went hunting. <laughs> they did, man. They did. Uh, all right. So let's. Uh, there's a lot of stuff on the plate today, uh, Doug. Clearly, you remember the House Judiciary. Uh, Mr. Jim Jordan has kind of taken over uh, investigations of the uh, deep state. Um, what are you What are you hoping will come out of this? Uh, and uh, I would assume, to some degree, you 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 may not have been able to get as much accomplished um, in the time you were there. But uh, it appears that we have that chance. What do you, What do you expect to uh, to happen with Jim Jordan in charge? Yeah, I'm glad that uh, you know Jim's in charge, and I mean, I, I was there at a time of when we were having to fight, you know, defensively. I mean, I was having yeah. to fight against Nadler and, and the impeachments and everything else. So, I mean, we took the fight to them, and I think Jim's going to do the same thing with this. Here's what I would expect most, and I think people out there and in, in, you know listening to you and everybody else need to understand: to have your have your expectations, but temper them. And because what's going to happen is, is these are going. My hope for these hearings is they're going to expose some things. They're going to embarrass some things. Sometimes the most powerful weapon in Washington is not a, uh, you know, a bill or anything else. It's just embarrassment. And mm-hmm. and I think some of this is, is it exposed will hopefully, you know, lead to some of the embarrassment that could lead to some systemic change. Because remember, uh, you know, the Republicans can't pass change. On yeah. The yeah. They can only point at it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think about this uh, double standard with regard to the Penn Biden Center? Joe Biden, as uh, vice president, apparently got away with some classified documents, some sensitive stuff. And, and Donald Trump had some. They evacuated his office after he left. They brought it to Mar-a-Lago. The DOJ came and visited, checked it out, said, just lock it up. It's no big deal. Then did an unprecedented raid. Uh, what do you think about this whole uh, double standard with regard to Joe Biden classified documents versus Donald Trump today? Hey, Rob, Rob, you do some great uh, improv and stuff on your show with little skits and stuff. I would love to see you get together a skit of the person in the Biden in the Biden comm shop who sits there and sits there and says, OK, we finally got something. We can talk about something else. And then this is I would love to have seen them throw things, yell things it's like, are you freaking kidding me? Yes. You know, are, are, are you, and, and but a couple of things come to mind here. Number one, it was discovered November 2nd. We just discovered it now as the Republicans are taking over in the House. Number two, here's some just basic basic off the cup in no particular order my questions did they lock up the the office completely did they shut it down did they question every person who's been in that office who had access to the office have they actually talked to anthony blinken who is actually the executive director of this uh group have they actually then went back and searched emails of all of these accounts who actually may have had access to this stuff those are just i'm just getting started my lawyer side of me is off the chart on this because that was what they were doing to everybody else and if they don't do that 
then again, then it, it, it's bad. And I'll say this. Let me step one quick step back. Yes, sir. Donald Trump, Joe Biden, doesn't matter. Here's the part. This it, We're treating people at the top level even inherently different than we do our military, which you, yeah. you get a young E4, E3 who accidentally – you know, and, and inadvertently takes sensitive stuff home or classified stuff home. They are immediately court-martialed. They're immediately wow. discharged, immediately reprimanded. There is none of this, well, he didn't mean to or she didn't mean to. <laughs> yeah. No. And, and so, look, I'm not saying either one's guilty. That's, don't hear me here. But I'm, I'm. But we've got to actually develop a standard here. Otherwise, you know, this is going to be a problem. And so I, I look forward to Joe Biden actually having to answer questions about this. I want to ask you about uh, the <laughs> – it's, it's kind of interesting that we've moved in this direction where when someone leaves office uh, as a Democrat, they're able to be become incredibly wealthy. Uh, uh, Hillary Clinton brought hundreds of millions of dollars into the uh, Clinton Global Initiative while she was a Secretary of State. Joe Biden, apparently 400% increase in donations from communist China when Joe Biden announced that he was going to run for the presidency, which I know it's kind of a stretch, uh, but might suggest there's a little influence peddling going Going on there. Uh, what do you think about this? I mean, literally $53 million donated to a, a storefront office associated with the University of Pennsylvania. What do you think about these foundations they're suddenly coming up with that don't do any work but rake in a lot of money from places like Russia or China? Well, at that a certain point in time, it goes back to something that, you know, and nobody, especially the Democrats and others, and even Republicans don't want to talk about, is, you know, is that set up under, you know, the proper guidelines? I mean, are they dumping money here that they're hiding you either as a foundation or a charity um, in which they're taking write-offs on or they're, or they're funneling money to? Uh, again, it's just it's a frustrating uh, phenomenon that goes on, unfortunately, more than we'll care to know on both sides of the aisle. But it, it, it does present an issue here. And this one is even more interesting because I don't think Biden ever actually did anything at this office. That's what that was the more concerning <laughs> part of this. I mean, yes. it, I mean, I'd hate to see where he actually went. What does his house look like in Delaware? I mean, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, not the White House because he doesn't stay there as often. But, you know, Delaware, you know, it could be an issue. But but then again, and, I, and I'm I'm trying so hard not to make a, a, a a comedy ex get out of this right i'm clearly trying <laughs> you know but oh my god i you know, know. Did, did he remember that he actually had him or not i, I mean to, to to have the audacity to ask him does he remember that is just the the ultimate uh, act of stupidity this man doesn't remember most of what he's doing every day it appears yeah and you're asking about documents that were there in an office he probably never visited yeah that's funny doug i i talked to greg kelly from newsmax and i've and i've had this echoed uh by others uh, a couple of things have happened the last uh, few days that have been been a little, I don't know, kind of interesting. Uh, you saw the, uh, the 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 story of the documents coming out uh, with the Biden, the Penn Biden Center. You you heard yesterday that Joe Biden uh, apparently regrets shutting down the Keystone XL pipeline and admits that it cost thousands of jobs uh, and raised the price of gas. And also, he he actually went to the uh, southern border for the first time, although he did nothing at all. It was uh, it was a photo op where they swept the peasants out of the way. Yeah. So so the dear leader could walk down the sidewalk uh i just kind of have a feeling that maybe the people who are looking at the polls with regard to joe biden running for president again are saying maybe it's time to do a nice graceful bow out the president can kind of uh, patch up what's left of his presidency and not uh, be relegated to uh worst president in history status uh what do you what do you think about all of this stuff coming together and the possibility of joe biden uh, running for president and winning in 2024. 
Yeah, well, well, number one, I think the the balloting's already closed for the worst president side, so I think he's already won that one. I don't. I mean, he could ask for a recount. Maybe the maybe the absentee ballots will come in and help him there. Yes, but um, you know, I, I think we've already sewn that one up. But uh, yeah, look, I, I, but the question is, and, and this is a I think a fair question. I mean, cause I still do. I do a lot of politics. I, I just I, I'm, I try to look at both sides. But who else do they run? I mean, yeah. you know, you, uh, Harris. I mean, nobody. I mean. Nobody says Joe Biden don't run. Oh, and by the way, Kamala Harris, you please run. Nobody says that. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, you know, the Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, well, if we can keep transportation system in the country running, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, but again, again, that's a pothole mayor problem. Yes. Um, you know, and but I mean, you look at who else is out there. They just don't have the right now. And not, not to say they don't. Then and there, look, I, I disagree with them completely. Are there a lot of good Democrats out there that could run in these seats? I still would hold out that you have a Joe Manchin run. I would still hold out that you have a, you know, somebody that, you know, because here's what's interesting about Democrats. <laughs> Democrats will get behind even people they don't understand as long as they have the D behind their name, because they do understand that they'll get at least some of what they want. This is the big difference between Republicans and Democrats. Re- Democrats are very satisfied to get some of what they want. Republicans, unfortunately, many times, we're only satisfied if we get everything we want. And that's a big difference in governing. Let me ask you about last week uh, with regard to uh, 20 Republican holdouts. Uh, they were called the Taliban 20, <laughs> among other things, yeah. uh, who were basically holding Kevin McCarthy's feet to the fire. Uh, and, and, and I got to tell you, Doug, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching the sausage being made, dude. And I, and I would like to see it happen because you know what? Uh, Hakeem Jeffries got a rubber stamp. Mitch McConnell got a rubber stamp. Uh, the the voters, the Republican base, uh, said, oh, "No, not so much. We need some caveats here if we're going to hand you the gavel." What do you think about what happened last week? Look, I think it was fine. It was twelve years in in the making. I mean, this is something that yeah. most people, a lot of people, felt like, "Oh, this is new." No, it's not. I mean, this has been building for about ten to twelve years, depending on how you want to count the numbers backwards. Republicans have made a habit of this in the last time, four times, five times we've had a speaker vote. Um, did they get some things that are very good? Yeah. The, the question is going to be in, in implementation. And also, I have a fear. And, and my right. fear is is this, that they're setting it up, to, this is going to solve all of our problems. Oh, no. And, and, and that's going to be a problem. we got, we got to remind people that, you know, again, these are going to be good things for the House. We're going to see hopefully better, you know, deals coming. And, but it is setting up a, a potential train wreck, and that's going to be the interesting part when the Senate does the Senate stuff. And, and where it goes from there. So, but, but as far as like reading bills, doing all that, so a lot of that's already been in place for years. They okay. just don't ever do it. So the question is going to come now, will they do it? And look, I think what they did last week, you know, look, at the big grand scheme of things, you know, fine. What it did do was delay a lot of the stuff that Republicans wanted to do. That I means yeah. that was a problem from their perspective. But as far as anything else, no. Nah. It's just, it just did what they want to do. They got to, to talk about it. They got to gripe about it. Rules Committee is going to be the interesting one. I served on Rules Committee for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's going to be interesting. So, I mean, putting three people on there that could conceivably vote with Democrats to block amendments because that's how they would have to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that could be interesting. So, it's you know, we're going to have to sit back and watch that one. What do you think about the uh, Brazil election? What's happening uh, with uh, President Lula? Uh, and his election, and I'll just go ahead and say it. I think it was uh, a faux election. I think it was uh, uh, it was a fraud. Um, what do you What do you think about? And you can you know whatever. Maybe you disagree. Uh, what do you think about what's happened in Brazil? What do you think is going to happen? Uh, it's, well, first off, it's just sad. I mean, did you see this? I don't know enough, and frankly, and, I, and I'll you know go you know, your opinion is yours, and I, I don't have at this second enough to say okay, I agree or disagree on that one. But what I am seeing is is at a certain point, this is something I talked about five, six years ago, and people didn't believe me. 
Okay. Mm. And, and it was that when we get to the point to where people inherently don't trust an election, wherever you are in the world, yeah. in America, it's very important. And this is, I've had problems with both Republicans and Democrats. Real fraud, real abuse needs to be pointed out and needs to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. But when we go into it and there's a question in people's mind that it, and I heard this a little bit before the election this time, it doesn't even matter. That's that chops at the very tree of liberty that we were founded on. Yes, sir. And um, so I'm concerned about it. Yeah. I, I think we've got to get back to a situation where people, no matter what the outcome is, we trust it. We may not agree with it, but as long as there's, you know, uh, it's ability for everyone to vote, everyone's counted properly. There's no fraud. There's no anything. Then we've got to get back there because if you inherently take this country for all of its many institutions, that is the most basic. Yes, if sir. We lose it, then if we lose it. We're in deep trouble, and now you're seeing it in other countries as well. Well, and I like to say that, uh, you know, we've got a bourgeois, we've got a proletariat, we have a Bastille in Washington, D.C., and when you take away and you, you we provide the, the perception that you will not have a say in government because the elections have been corrupted, then you leave the people with little choice, and that is to rebel against it. I'm not saying about a violent revolution, but, you know, an enough is enough is enough is enough, and I think we've had enough. Listen, Doug, I appreciate you being on the show today. I know you're a busy man. Where can people find you online i know you do uh you do uh, the doug collins podcast which is awesome where can people find you bro well either go doug collins podcast.com that's where they can keep up with the podcast they can also email me there and i also keep up on uh, online uh at rep doug collins is my twitter account we keep up there instagram anywhere they want to go they'll find all right my friend have a glorious week god bless godspeed and happy new year to you take care my friend all right let's take a break it's the rob carson show in the 60s, we had LBJ. Now, we have FJB. It's the Rob Carson Show. Thank you very much to uh, Doug Collins for joining us today. Always a uh, good perspective. Uh, next hour, to James Rosen of uh, Newsmax. Newsmax has added him to the lineup, and he is a very impressive journalist. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on in Brazil. They copied our election in 2020. Yeah. It's Jim Gossett. When elections... Get stolen just like here down there in Rio De Janeiro, hey They don't cower Like the rhinos do in fear Support their leader They stole it Bolsonaro Pretty much Lulu's the kind of person With a criminal persuasion Dirty dealing Election stealing Yeah, he's a criminal He's a fraud like Biden Another guy who didn't really win Pin Biden center, anybody? They are showing Hey they are showing bravery down there in Rio. I'm wearing a coconut bra. And a fruit They hat. won't shudder or back down like Kennedy. No, they won't tremble like a rhino. Hey. <laughs> wish we had some. Wish we had some guys with stones like down in Rio. Would be nice. De Janeiro. De Janeiro. Like Rob Carson. Hey, what? Who doesn't make no bones if votes were stolen? Okay. From the get-go. Yeah, pretty much. Like in Rio. <laughs> like in Rio. <laughs> like in Rio. <laughs> yeah, you know why? Because it was my opinion. And, and uh, honestly, you can have your opinion even if you think an election was stolen. You have your right to your opinion even if it's wrong. I'm not saying that my opinion was wrong either, by the way. You just you're, you have the right to an opinion. You have the right to an opinion on everything. COVID, uh, the election. I mean, nobody has the right to tell you you cannot have thoughts. Nice try, though. Really, really good try. God knows a lot of people who do what I do for a living shut their mouths. I didn't. There's nothing wrong with having an opinion. All right? We are guaranteed by the First Amendment. And the day that a government says that you can't have one is the day that that government 
needs to go bye-bye. It needs to be investigated. So uh, you got uh, protests on Sunday in Brasilia, the Brazilian capital, uh, being portrayed by the socialists uh, as a uh, violent and harrowing event led by the anti-Bolsonaro uh, protest. Here's, here's what happened. Seventy days, millions of, uh, of Bolsonaro um, opponents peacefully protested in cities around the country. And it wasn't until Lula was uh, sworn into office that they decided to move a bunch of uh, leftist prov- provocateurs into the crowd so they could create what I would consider consider uh, a Reichstag fire. It is a, a classic uh, a scenario. It was used originally by Hitler. It's been used in the past, I would venture to say. And I said on January the 7th, there were some hints of that kind of happening in Washington, D.C. And I stick by that. I do. I do. Even though it's technically disinformation. Here is uh, Matt Tiermont. He was a, uh, a journalist. And uh, I want you to listen to his comparison. Uh, and I'll just let him do it. Uh, the comparison between 2020 the election January the 6th and what's going on in Brazil. They have this hard-fought constitutional republic and strong robust democracy or do they lula was as you correctly stated a convicted felon that's a new president a convicted felon 19 judges uh 12 charges 12 year sentence and released by a supreme court justice alexander de Moraes and his team of fellow traveling all three branches of government abjectly corrupt in brazil supreme court justices to enter into this election and then this election had no transparency so the protesters who protested feels like you couldn't have an opinion about it last 70 days peacefully you couldn't inspect ballots and stuff no arson no violence uh just wanted a evidence proof that this was an honest election that's usually what we want is evidence and proof they did not get it they have stayed by the military begging the military to adjudicate the separated powers dispute now it turns out for as the a dem- plot usually, democrats uh, adjudicate isn't what teachers do it does thicken in these situations that there were many an agent provocateur yesterday at these buildings and doing incredible gross damage breaking wind. i believe there was a guy there named uh, uh ray epsantos there windows and such and it looks like this is telling people go on in go on in we go into the capital go into the capital la, la capital turning into a reichstag fire and being used to clamp down on these whoa, 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 what did he just say right there like a tour yesterday at these buildings and doing incredible gross damage breaking windows and such and it looks like this is turning into a reichstag fire and being used to clamp down on these damage Democratic protests. Huh. The protests are no more. The camps have been disbanded. By the way, government officials had uh, been notified that there would be some activity on those days, kind of like what happened on January the 6th. By executive and judicial mandate and fiat. And now they've set up a concentration camp where 1,200... Huh, we got one of those in D.C. now. Brazilian citizens are locked in the gymnasium and grounds of the Federal Police Training Center in Brasilia. And it has just been reported that two of them have died. There is no water, no food. No bathrooms. Brazilian countrymen of this government are being treated in worse circumstances. So it begs the question, um, is it coming here or did we inspire them? And I would venture to say it's the latter. Let's take a break. It's the Rob Carson Show. Rush Limbaugh shared his comedy for years. Now you'll hear it here. It's the Rob Carson Show. Hour number three of the Rob Carson Show. Joining us at the bottom of the hour, James Rosen, uh, reporter for Newsmax. I've uh, admired James Rosen's work for a long time. 
And uh, he's one of the last few remaining journalists in the country. So we're going to talk to him about uh, classified documents at the Ben Biden Center and the whole deal. <laughs> the Ben Biden Center. Oh, my God. It's just fantastic. Uh, coming up, I, I oh, 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 let me do this real quick because it's uh, stupid to consider this. I'll just tell you this is stupid to consider. But unfortunately, Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, apparently is about to put pen to paper on uh, new construction um, in New York not having gas lines because some idiot. Uh, decided to cite a study that has nothing to do with, uh, with uh, well, it's junk science. Uh, the new study the Consumer Product Safety Commission wants to rely on with regard to banning gas stoves is classic junk science. All right? Um, and and it's, it's uh, idiotic on the face of it. And, uh, and this, I mean, this is really, uh, I'm, a, I'm a, okay, I'm a cook, right? Okay, I've been cooking. Since I was in high school, I was hired illegally as a fry cook. I've got about 100 cooking videos on the web. Uh, I have cooked on stage with people like Ted Allen and Wolfgang Puck. I am not a chef. I am a cook. And I will tell you that uh, uh, no restaurant worth its salt uses exclusively electric appliances. If you believe that, uh, you're high. All right? Uh, it is absurd. And by the way, one of the cleanest burning fuels ever. Pretty much just gives off water vapor and I believe carbon dioxide. But that isn't going to be, uh, isn't going to stand the way of morons in the federal government attempting to get rid of it. Fight this for all it's worth, because honestly, it's stupid. Anyway, uh, it's not actual research on children. It is apparently, because they said that uh, apparently that um, uh, uh, po- pollution attributable to uh, gas stoves is related to childhood asthma okay stupid on the on the face of it stupid because there is hardly any particulate matter that comes from burning natural gas particulate matter let me just it's dust it's dust stuff in the air it's not stuff they breathe and you know and then that happens you know Uh, and and uh, it clearly uh, doesn't happen with regard to this, Uh, it's not actual research you know what I'd be more concerned about how about overdoing your microwave popcorn how about that? How about putting the microwave popcorn in the uh, in the microwave for like six minutes at work? That's pretty bad. Anyway, it's not uh, based on actual research. It's a meta-analysis of previously published and ignored studies, a study of otherwise unpersuasive studies. The author did a, a literature research for previous epidemiological uh, studies on gas stoves and asthma, and then just mixed those results together in an effort to contrive statistical significance. It's also a continuation of the war on uh, fossil fuels, um, and it's, uh, it's falderol. Asthma is an allergic disease. There are no allergens in natural gas, so the study has no biological plausibility. The claim that gas stoves are responsible for 12% of childhood asthma, uh, an epidemi- epidemiological concept called attributable risk, is entirely bogus because epidemiological studies can only be used in associated exposures with disease. In other words, I'll just go ahead and say it. Uh, it's crap. It's crap. It's junk science. It's stupid to even consider, and it has to be shot down immediately. It just does. It's kind of like electric cars. They're for posers. I don't know if you knew that if I, if I made that clear. Electric cars are for posers. Now that it gets you guys to have electric cars, I wish you the best. Try to haul something with them. Try to run them in cold weather. Try to, you know, like the work in hilly terrain with an electric car. Good luck with that. You'll be trading it in five years, and you'll get nothing for it. I'm just saying, should have gone with a hybrid. Should have gone with a hybrid. Also, this climate change has been accused of inherently racist and sexist. Apparently, it's being blamed for congenital heart defects. 
It now stands accused of another grievous category of misdeed, according to the Washington Post. If a man in a poor country brutalizes a woman, his victim could attribute her aggressor's malice and cruelty because of climate change. Climate change causes spousal abuse. That's the (laughs) the latest. (laughs) (sighs) Jeffrey Ondike Dishashetti, be careful with that. I Balagasy all wrote about this. They said the threat of violence could become more common as climate change makes extreme weather events more intense and frequent. Well, it's not doing any of that. It's not doing any of that. Well, what about California? They've got floods going on out there. You know what? Not the first time there's been flooding in California. It's been happening for billions of years. Even when California was part of Pangea. I do uh, I do my research. Let's go to Chris in Fort Worth. He wants to talk about Joe Biden's classified documents in the uh, storefront that is called the, the Penn Biden Center. How you doing there, Chris? Hey, my man, Bob. It's Chris in Fort Worth. The weather's kind of nice. It's kind of warm. Chris, I think Chris, a good hey, Chris, Chris. Yeah. 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 Don't, don't ever call me Bob or Robbie. No, I, I said Rob. I thought you said Bob. Okay, go ahead. That's okay. Go yeah, Continue. I, I swear I heard a Bob there. I don't. I'm not a Bob. I'm nothing against you, Bobs. But I don't want to. I don't want to soil your names if you call yourself Bob. Go ahead there. I'm sorry if I did that. I did not mean that. That's all right. I'm just playing with it. Go ahead. Weather's nice. Weather's nice. Maybe a good decision will come out of Maricopa, Maricopa County. I hope. But uh, uh, and uh, this document stuff. Uh, it's kind of strange. It's right when uh, McCarthy and and Jordan and Comer are coming in there to investigate. Suddenly these files appear, and like, what is going on? Is the DOJ and the FBI trying to cover their ass? I I kind of wonder, Chris. You know the the and I you know these are theories. They're not conspiracy theories. They're just uh, opinions. Uh, you know there are a lot of people who realize the falderall of a Joe Biden announcement and then candidacy for president in 2024. And the people yeah, who aren't willing to say out loud that he won't be able to run, maybe this is their out. But but um, this is not the you know infamous the nail in the coffin. It's just a nail in the coffin, and you don't know where it's going to go. And, uh, I God, I want Biden out so badly, but I think they're going to put stainless steel legs on him, keep his knees from collapsing, collapsing from that empty suit he wears, and keep him standing till 2024. Yeah. And then they'll probably get some joker or loser like, uh, you know, the governor of California or Buddha judge or <laughs> Kamala or Hillary or... Or uh, or uh, uh, Michelle Obama, oh my God! But we got still a big fight to go. A lots of investigations. We just got to begin our Congress. Yeah, We're a yeah. slim majority. We got to go methodically because it's going to be a very tough year. Yeah, and it's going to it's going to require um, it's going to require a lot of uh, uh, you're going to have to require your attention because there are going to be a lot of things coming down the pike. And if you are unplugged, you'll miss it. So uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'll promise you I will stay plugged in and I will do my level best to bring it all to you. Chris, thanks for that. Sure. Go. Go. Um, I want to shout out to uh, Diamond and Silk, especially Diamond and her family. Love to him. Barbara, my my sister Barbara in Baltimore, and her son, yes, 
and Barack the good Jew you had on the other day. God bless y'all. <laughs> All right. By the way, I want to mention something about uh, Lynette Hardaway. Uh, I mentioned this yesterday. I put a video on uh, on my Rumble channel about uh, Lynette, and Lynette is diamond of diamond and silk, and she passed away on uh, January the 9th at 51 years old in North Carolina. Um, uh, Rochelle Richardson is, uh, is silk, and um, I just... She was taken unexpectedly and suddenly, and I just want to pay tribute to both of them because they showed what's possible in America. Two people who have something to say, two people with connective and dynamic personalities who created a team and created a phenomenon. They really did. Diamond and Silk became a phenomenon. You you, you think of Diamond and Silk. Everybody knows Diamond and Silk. Diamond and Silk, these two wonderful women, became a phenomenon. They introduced a president on numerous times. They visited visited Mar-a-Lago, and they changed a lot of minds, too. I like to think, you know, they had this dynamic that was so interesting. And if you're into uh, uh, comedy or performance, there is that, you know, the straight man. And then the, the, the comic. There's that, Cindy. There's uh, Abbott and Costello. There is Penn and Teller. And I like to say that uh, these guys captured the essence of it. The first time I've ever seen it really, and I could be wrong, in a female team like that. But it was brilliant. It was brilliant. And whenever I had them on my show or ever, whenever I appeared on their show, they, uh, they were masters of... Connecting with people, making things real, making a point. And they were always, uh, always incredibly, incredibly informed on everything. You could go deep on any topic with either of them because they took what they did very, very seriously. It is a tragedy that uh, Diamond has passed away at 51 years old. And uh, I just... I I just wanted to acknowledge her because they welcomed me into the fold. They had been doing uh, punditry for a couple of years. I had been, you know, in music radio and then some talk radio, and then I had to sell cars. And these two wonderful women led me into this, this I, I don't even know what to call it. it, it, it you know, it's, a, it's something you do voluntarily. It's something that, you know, you, you, you invite a lot of criticism and a lot of other things, and you expose your soul on the radio every day, and there's a lot of things to consider when you, when you do something like this. They really helped me, even though I had a lot more experience in broadcasting. They were wonderful to me. So God bless Lynette Diamond Hardaway. Uh, your life was way too short, and we will never forget you. Let's take a break and do uh, some commercials. Come back at some great stuff on the other side, including a massive lawsuit by Robert Kennedy Jr. And the source of misinformation and disinformation, it's as bad as you ever dreamed. This is The Rob Carson Show. We the people are mad as hell. It's The Rob Carson Show. 
Well, Jim Jordan is launching an investigation into, uh, well, the House Judiciary Committee into all of the uh, the malfeasance of the deep state working with big social media, the mainstream media, to shut down, to clap down on freedom of expression. It's very clear what was allowed, uh, driven by a persuasive fear of misinformation combined with unrelenting pressure from government officials. Twitter embarked on a heavy censorship campaign, suppressing entire narratives in the crucial early first year of the pandemic, including... Uh, COVID vaccine injuries and all that stuff. Uh, we were played in so many different ways. And I, and I questioned, I said, well, you know, I said, if, if the mainstream media, big social media and the government all say that something is misinformation, what did I say? I said, it means they know you know the truth. Do There you go. Said that two years ago. Then I said, not too long ago, I said, oh, the only person who could decide what disinformation and misinformation are is the government. And it doesn't mean the truth. It just means what the government decides is disinformation and misinformation and what they consider to be their truth. And sometimes they don't even believe it's true. In fact, most of the time I venture to say they don't. So Robert Kennedy Jr. and a multiple uh, other plaintiffs have filed a uh, lawsuit against the Trusted News Initiative, a self-described industry partnership launched in March 2020 by several of the world's largest news organizations partnered with big tech firms to collectively censor online news. And it's kind of weird because that's about the same time that uh, Twitter started uh, meeting with uh, people and, uh, and, the, and the FBI started meeting with Twitter and other agencies to warn them about coming Russian disinformation. You know, it's kind of weird how that happened. And then right about then, uh, Twitter all of a sudden had about 80 FBI agents working for them to, uh, to talk about what is misinformation and disinformation. And then Facebook also hired about 120 people from the FBI to uh, censor posts. You know, it's kind of like it was almost planned. Oh, yeah, it was. And I thought this was kind of interesting. And I, and I Googled the Trusted News Initiative. Uh, it is a self-described industry partnership launched in 2020 by several of the world's largest news organizations, including the AP, Reuters, Washington Post, among others, to collectively censor online news. That's essentially what it was about, including stories about COVID-19, the U.S. presidential election, uh, all of the things that were not aligned with official narratives uh, regarding those issues. So uh, it, it was come up with by, I believe, the deep state. And then these guys went along with it. <laughs> they went along with it. Here is Robert Kennedy Jr. And, uh, and I actually had my YouTube channel taken down because I posted a video, evidential video about vaccine injury, injuries featuring Robert Kennedy Jr. And he is a very serious adult man who doesn't mess around. He's not, he's not a fool. He's not a buffoon. He's not a, some sort of a conspiracy theorist. He brings uh, legit research to the table. And here is what he had to say about the Trusted News Initiative. P. Reuters, the Washington Post. Obviously, this is Tucker talking to him. With big tech companies like Facebook and Google. The BBC founded it. Now, the group has admitted its mission is to stop, quote, the tidal wave of unchecked reporting that's being piped through mainly digital platforms. In other words, we have a monopoly on telling lies. No one else can talk. Boom. And in service of that goal, the initiative has censored an awful lot of people, including Robert F. Kennedy Jr., whom history will vindicate completely. Oh, yeah. Now, Kennedy and several other plaintiffs are suing the Trusted News Initiative. We asked these news organizations about the lawsuit. Reuters says they haven't seen the lawsuit, but they're very upset by it. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is chairman and chief litigation counsel of Children's Health Defense, and we are honored to have him join us tonight. Bobby, thanks so much for coming up. Tell us what this suit seeks to do, if you don't mind. Thank you for Tucker. Uh, well, you and I know that from the Twitter files and that other information that's being 
released that the White House and other government agencies were colluding with the social media sites and with other news organizations to censor criticism of government policies. This is something different. The Trusted News Initiative was a secretive cartel. It wasn't organic. It wasn't created by the BBC. That involved the big legacy media companies that you mentioned, the Associated Press, Reuters, the Washington Post, and the BBC, and also the social media platforms, Microsoft, Google, Facebook, and Twitter. Google, yeah, your search is completely shut down. And it was agreement that had two purposes. One was to suppress and censor any information, whether true or not, that departed from official government orthodoxies and government proclamations. Mm, hence the word misinformation. Here he is talking about uh, uh, all in. This is the goal of it, by the way, to shut down uh, any any sort of departure. The BBC memo says to the other groups, and it was BBC, which is a government, a British government-owned news network, and it was the one that orchestrated this this secret. Uh, collaboration, anti-competitive collaboration, and what they said is, although we are ostensibly all rivals and competitors with each other, the existential threat to all of our business models comes from thousands of independent news sites. Okay, I get the shutting down competition thing, but why did they all insist on towing the government Line. Who are now not only providing all this content that people are reading, but they're also diminishing trust in our organizations. And the way that we can destroy them, they called stamp them out and choke them in this memo, they use those phrases, is to deny them platforms on the social media sites. There you go. Now, where did the misinformation come from, Robert? So what they said is anybody who departs from the official, from the trusted news, which is the official government narratives, of uh, 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 uh. WHO, CDC, and the White House, yes. and Anthony Fauci, and NIH, we will make sure to identify them and to make sure that they are not given a platform. And I, again, Tucker, this had nothing to do with whether the the statements were inaccurate. Listen to this. They use the word misinformation and they acknowledge this throughout as a euphemism for any statement that departs from official government orthodoxy. Ding, 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 ding. It doesn't take a genius to figure out when somebody is calling your opinion about anything, misinformation or disinformation, it is echoed in the media, in big social media, and the deep state, the Democrat Party, that uh, they know you know the truth. This is an assault. All right, this is a an assault on you and me, and I hope this uh, lawsuit goes far, and I hope a lot of people end up going to jail for it. Uh, coming up, Mr. James Rosen, Newsmax reporter, awesome journalist. This is The Rob Carson Show. It's time to make common sense common again. It's The Rob Carson Show. It is a Rob Carson show, and I've been uh, very excited about uh, talking to James Rosen since he was uh, brought on board by uh, Newsmax, an organization that I work for, and he joins us on the Newsmax hotline. Hello, sir. How are you doing today? Great to be with you. 
Great to have you on. Um, let's talk about uh, the elephant in the room, which happens to be the uh, the classified documents found in uh, the uh, the Biden. What was it? The uh, the Penn Biden Center. What do you know this morning about uh, the classified documents? What's in them and how they got there? Well, Rob, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, as it happens, right now, the uh, White House press briefing is underway. It started about 20 minutes late, which is not atypical. And, uh, in fact, the questions have just now, as I was waiting to come on with you, uh, gotten over to this subject of these classified documents discovered at uh, the, the think tank that was operated by the former Vice President Biden. Uh, from 2017 until 2021. And uh, the very first question posed to the press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, uh, was when was President Biden first briefed on the discovery of these documents? And I had to abandon the answer halfway through to, uh, to tell you just now that it's good to be with you. Uh, but what I heard Karine Jean-Pierre do, in essence, was deflect from stating exactly when the president was first briefed about this. Uh, look, this is an unwelcome development for President Biden because it prompts comparisons to the Trump Mar-a-Lago documents case, and it provides uh, House Republican committee chairs who were already ramping up to conduct uh, a number of investigations into President Biden and members of his family with still another avenue for investigation. Uh, nonetheless, White House attorneys under President Biden are citing the key differences between this and the, the Trump Mar-a-Lago case involving both the, the number of documents that are believed to be at issue, uh, relatively small in this case, and the way in which each set of documents uh, was discovered and, and returned. Uh, and there are important differences there. Uh, the fact is we only have published reports so far as to what was in these documents, and those published reports tell us that these were uh, briefing materials provided to then-Vice President Biden on a number of different countries, but one of them is said to have been Ukraine. Yeah. That could make this a very interesting development indeed. What are uh, some of the differences that you've noticed in your uh, in your reporting with regard to the uh, the situation surrounding Mar-a-Lago, the raid on Mar-a-Lago, and the classified documents there? What what sort of comparison, uh, rudimentary comparison, could you make between the two? What are the similarities? What do you suppose are the differences? There is a core similarity at the very heart of the, these two matters, which is that you apparently have. Uh, classified materials being stored in areas where they are not authorized to be stored. Um, I think the differences between the situations, and again, this is on the basis of what we currently know. We know a lot more about the Mar-a-Lago case than we do the Penn-Biden documents as of yet, uh, but this is obviously under investigation. Both are under investigation by the Department of Justice, uh, the Trump Mar-a-Lago case by a special counsel, and now the Penn-Biden documents. Reportedly, uh, the Attorney General has asked um, a federal prosecutor located outside of the main justice headquarters, the U.S. attorney in Chicago, to review this newly disclosed matter. Uh, again, the number of documents involved is, uh, provides one key difference, uh, estimated to be uh, at least 300 classified documents that were retrieved from Mar-a-Lago during the execution of that search warrant back on August the 8th of last year, uh, along with 15 boxes of materials that were retrieved by the National Archives from Mar-a-Lago earlier in the year. Uh, here, according to the White House Special Counsel, we're talking about uh, a sm what he called a small number of class of documents with classified markings. 
Well, I would assume that uh, one document that's classified is the same essentially as 100 pages of uh, document uh, documents that are classified on on the face of it. So, uh, regardless of the length of the uh, the the uh, number of documents, uh, you know, classified is classified. We'll we'll see how that comes out in the Washington that makes a difference. But why do you suppose, James Rosen, that this came out this week after Kevin McCarthy uh, grabbed the gavel uh, as the House Speaker, as uh, there are investigations about to be launched? Was it the, the Biden administration coming clean to kind of uh, take people off the scent of something? Do you suppose you have any idea why that happened? this happened this week? Yeah, that's a great question, the timing of this disclosure. Uh, President Biden made his first public comments about this case uh, yesterday during the wrap-up, the, the, the end of Summit News Conference featuring himself, the, the host of the, of the summit, the uh, Mexican president, uh, and the Canadian prime minister. And when the turn finally came for reporters to be permitted to ask a few questions of the three leaders, uh, the very first question came from Colleen Long, uh, the uh, reporter for the Associated Press who was traveling with the president, uh, and she asked where this situation is concerned a twofold question. First, uh, she asked President Biden, can you explain why classified documents ended up at one of your offices? And second, um, do you think that the public should have been notified sooner? Now, the president was responsive to the first part of Ms. Long's question, in essence saying that he was surprised to learn that these documents were uh, had been at that office, which is another way of saying, in essence, that he doesn't know how they ended up there. That is effectively the answer to the question, I can't tell you how they ended up there, because I was surprised to hear about it, in essence. Uh, where the second part of Ms. Long's question was concerned, should the public have been notified sooner, the president was entirely silent, uh, and then went on to answer still other parts of a multi-part question that Ms. Long had posed, some of which had to do with foreign policy. Uh, so, which points up uh, for all aspiring reporters and younger reporters uh, a lesson that this reporter certainly learned the hard way along the way as well, which is when you ask multi-part questions, um, you offer the respondent to those questions the opportunity uh, to answer the one or two of those questions that he or she prefers most to answer. Uh, when you ask only, when you pose only one intelligible question at a time, that is when you have your best chance of of uh, re- receiving an intelligible reply. Well, and it's uh, kind of rare to get an intelligible reply from uh, this president. Okay, whatever, it's a cheap shot. Uh, let, let me ask you about this, though, James Rosen. Um, would you consider wondering where and why the Chinese uh, Communist Party, uh, through proxies, donated uh, or increased their donations to the uh, Penn Biden Center by 400% immediately after Joe Biden said he was running for president? Would you consider that to be a newsworthy story and line of question? <laughs> if I had verified it as a fact, I, I, I have not delved okay. into that aspect of okay. it. But, right. uh, I do know that um, that House Republicans, uh, uh, even before they uh, reclaimed the majority um, uh, over committee control in, in, in the most recent midterm elections, had already identified the Penn-Biden Center and its funding streams as an area of investigative interest to them. And we can only imagine now that uh, the new Oversight Committee Chairman, uh, Representative Comer of Kentucky, um, has already written uh, to the administration um, uh, uh, notifying them that he's going to pursue the Penn-Biden documents as another area of investigation. We can imagine that the, area, the, 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 the whole question of the center's funding uh, and its various connections uh, will, will once again uh, be a, a, an area of interest. I know that some are already paying attention to the fact that of how much money uh, uh, then 
former Vice President Biden received uh, in exchange for putting his name on this center, uh, and some key appointments that, uh, that some associated with the center and with the University uh, of Pennsylvania, with which the center is affiliated, uh, received uh, under President Biden uh, plum appointments. So I think all of this is going to be an uh, area, of these, all of these are going to be areas of, of investigation going forward for the new House Republican majority. James, I've uh, I've followed your work for years, and I you're one of the uh, top three, I think, of, of any investigative reporter that I've I've seen, and that includes John Stossel. I'm a big fan of Mr. Stossel. Um, well, when you hear, you. thank you. Oh, you bet. Uh, I just think you tell the truth, man. I think you're a journalist. <laughs> there you go. How about that? I just think you do a good Don't job. <laughs> I swear to God, I, I love it. I, I, you know, I like Darren Beatty of Revolver. I think you're, he's right below you. But there are people who are legitimately they they're practicing journalism because it's important to them. And when you hear things like uh, a line of questioning or a story or a disagreement with a, a party line is is disinformation or misinformation. In your career as a journalist, have you ever had that used against you uh, by social media or by a government? Um, have you ever been uh, confronted with uh, that, that your line of questioning is, is disinformation or misinformation? And how did you respond? Well, the use of those terms, Rob, is a fairly um, recent phenomenon. But the oh. sentiment embedded in the use of the term, uh, is is ancient and and no stranger to any uh, veteran working journalist. Uh, all of us who um, who like to think of ourselves at least from time to time as investigative journalists have uh, confronted the subject of our reporting and all of our digging at a certain point and had that individual or that government office tell us uh, that uh, you're wrong, that that's false, uh, that if you go with that story it's going to be wrong and you'll look foolish. Uh, and sometimes this causes you to reevaluate and perhaps not to publish, and other times uh, you go ahead and publish despite that. And though the word misinformation wasn't used, let's say, in those earlier cases, uh, it's still the same sentiment as if someone were saying that's misinformation, that's false. Misinformation and disinformation are trendy terms now uh, in the advent of social media, but it's the same uh, back and forth that good reporters have always had with with uh, with the subjects of the reporting and particularly those that have something to hide. Yeah, but unfortunately, when you've got social media outlets and others uh, listening to, and I think the only arbiter of what is disinformation has to be the state. That's it. I can't say that's disinformation with any weight. I can't shut down your freedom of speech by saying that is misinformation. Uh, to me, it is a dis. Uh, it is what I, I. One of the expressions I came up with is uh, dissent is not disinformation. Uh, we are entitled to our opinions. We are entitled to a, a line of questioning. We are entitled to have thoughts about questions about COVID efficacy, etc. But we have seen those opinions in in unison uh, in called disinformation and misinformation by the deep state, by big social media, and by the mainstream media. And and to me, that is a uh, something that I. Uh, I was unfamiliar with uh, when you study history and you look at uh, different regimes in the past using disinformatia, as Joseph Stalin did in 1923. It makes you wonder uh, if this is a conservative, a concerted effort. Um, were you ever were you ever shut down on social media the last couple of years? Were you ever shut down uh, in that fashion? Um, I was never suspended the- by uh, any social media platform. Okay. Uh, I've had uh, I have about. Uh, 
oh gosh, all about 230,000 followers on Twitter. You can find me at James Rosen TV. I've had various followers from time to time suggest to me that I'm being shadow banned or that for some odd reason uh, this is the first time they're seeing one of my posts in, in an unduly long time and so forth. And I've never really uh, gotten to the bottom of that or, or, or devoted that kind of uh, energy or attention to it. I think one very good point you, you raise, though, Rob, about the advent of social media, uh, particularly where journalism is concerned, is that never before in history has the work of uh, particular journalists or, uh, or particular news organizations been subjected to as much scrutiny um, and um, after-the-fact kind of criticism um, or denialism um, as we see today, so that uh, when you know Woodward and Bernstein, let's say, broke a big story, and I wrote a whole book about Watergate. It's called The Strong Man, John Mitchell's yep. Secrets of Watergate. Um, and I'm not a fan of the Woodward Bernstein reporting, and my book is avowedly revisionist. And I think there's very serious problems with the Woodward Bernstein reporting. But just to use them as, as an example, because they're so famous in history as a as as leading journalists of a of a bygone age, um, um, that being the Watergate era. Uh, once they published their stories, um, I'm not aware that there was some sort of chorus that would go around um, uh, saying that's false, that's disinformation, or boosting it and trying to pump it into greater into the mainstream of American life. With social media, every reporter now, uh, when you break a big story, is subjected to this extraordinary torrent of, of opinion and criticism and denialism. And uh, I experienced this, for example, when in 2019, um, I asked uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi the famous question, do you hate the president, Madam Speaker, during the first <laughs> Trump impeachment saga? And, and, and Speaker Pelosi at the time uh, effectively flipped out on stage and, and had some very harsh words for, for President Trump. And for me on that occasion, uh, you know, I received death threats. Uh, I, yeah. you know, we had to get the police involved. I, you know, so, so social media makes it more difficult to be a reporter for the very reason that you suggest, which is that there's a chorus and a, and, a, and a loud one, and one that has great influence in our society, that descends on the reporting of any particular investigative or or, or journalist or or reporter who has a, a knack for breaking news. James Rosen, uh, we are for, unfortunately our time is nigh, but uh, it, it's a real pleasure to have you on, and I'd love to have you on again. Uh, are you just right now working pretty much on the uh, on the Penn Biden thing and the, uh, the the documents, or you have a few uh, few irons in the fire? We covered the president's uh, summitry in Mexico City. I should also note that I have a book coming out in March. My publisher would be very upset if I didn't promote it. It's called Please do. Scalia: Rise to Greatness, nineteen thirty six to nineteen eighty six published by Regnery. You can pre-order on Amazon.com. It is volume one of a two-volume biography of Antonin Scalia, and this is the book that Scalia fans have been waiting for. James Rosen, uh, God bless, Godspeed. Have a glorious new year. We'll have you back on when the uh, book is released. But again, Scalia is the name of the book. It is coming up. You can pre-order. Have a glorious day. Keep up the good work, my friend. And I'm so glad to be working with you at Newsmax. Same to you. All right, let's take a break. It's the Rob Carson Show. Joe Biden's first year in office summed up in three words. Welcome back, Carter. That's not right. It's not fair to us. And honestly, it's not fair to the world. It's the Rob Carson Show. So uh, we got through about half of the stuff I wanted to talk about today. <laughs> uh, sometimes you've got to kind of go, well, you know, we'll wait this till tomorrow, blah, 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 blah. I do want to mention something. Um, the University of Southern California School of Social Work is dropping the use of the word field in an effort to oppose racism. 
Uh, I do a thing called the uh, Don't Catch the Stupid on my TV show. Uh, it's it's this uh, phenomenon. It started with the uh, idiocy surrounding COVID. Uh, you know, if you stand six feet away from me, you'll uh, live. But if you stand five feet away, you'll die. If you wear a mask, you'll stop it. And it was I called it Catching the Stupid. There are a million ways you can catch the stupid. This is one of them. As we enter 2023, we'd like to share a change we are making at the Susan Dwarak Peck School of Social Work to ensure our use of inclusive language and practice. Specifically, we have decided to remove the term field from our curriculum and replace it with uh, practicum. This change supports anti-racism social work practice by replacing language that could be considered anti-black or anti-immigrant. This is really racist because this immediately assumes that everybody who works in fields is white or is black or Hispanic. Right? It harkens back to slavery, and it also talks about Hispanics working in the field. That's racist. And I'll tell you why I say that. Because there are hundreds of thousands of white people who work in fields every day to feed you. And they don't care if you're black or Hispanic. And I was one of those people. Uh, I grew up on a farm in Iowa. I started doing uh, field work at 10 years old. When I was in high school, you had a choice. You could do field work. That was about it. Maybe you could go in and you could work at Godfather's Pizza in Council Bluffs or something. But you don't know. And so I would go out, like, for instance, you know, 14 years old, and I would, uh, I would go to a bean field, it's a, a soybean field, and I would do a thing called walking beans. And what you'd do is you'd go there and you'd look for what's called voluntary corn, volunteer corn. It's corn from last season because you, uh, you rotate the crops, and that was what you had to do. And you walk through mud, and you are wet from the chest down by the time noon rolls around, and it's too hot to be out there. I have pitched bales, I have detasseled corn, I have shoveled crap, and there are tens of thousands of people who do that to this day to feed your sorry butts if you are complaining about field being racist. Language can be a powerful, and phrases such as going into the field or field work may have connotations for descendants of slaves. Shut your mouths, my God. And immigrant workers that are not benign. They're going to call it practicum, not field work. In solidarities with universities across the nation, our goal is not to uh, just change language, but to honor and acknowledge inclusion and reject white supremacy. How about this? If you find out that a white person raised the food you're growing, you don't eat it. How about that? How about that? If, if, a, if a cow uh, that, uh, that a, uh, a white guy raised and, and you decide you can go to the store and buy it and you eat that steak, let's make that cultural appropriation. How about that? How about that? Honestly, these people are so bloody out of touch with everything. It's an insult to people of color. It's an insult to the people who still work in those fields. Let's take a break. Come back and wrap things up. This is The Rob Carson Show. That's going to do it for the show, guys. Yep, uh, people still work in the fields, yeah, and they don't care what color you are. Uh, have a glorious day. God bless you guys. Uh, I will see you tomorrow. And until tomorrow, please don't catch the stupid. I'll see you then. WCBM, Baltimore.